you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. One, two, one, two. Yo, we back. We still here at the Mount St. Michael Academy. Uh, taking in the PSA Cardinals Showcase. There's a star-studded event. I mean, we've got coaches from every major program that I think you might know. Uh, you got pupils from the NBA. I mean, all sorts of amazing folks here networking and taking in this basketball. Um, but today, I'm sitting with my man, Dwayne Bartholomew Killings. <laughs> nah, his, his middle name is Bartholomew. definitely not my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm messing with him. But yo, um, so so Dwayne comes to us. Uh, long long list of well, not that long, but several colleges that he's uh, been a coach, part of uh, the coaching staff. Um, he's also played uh, at, where I met him. Actually, was at the University of Massachusetts. Very briefly, we didn't interact much. I just remember him being a young dude on a basketball squad. You walked on at UMass, yep, right? Yep, sure did. But you were Amherst cat. Yep, that's home. That's, that's home. home. Um, he he left. So he left UMass. Played some time at Hampton. Finished out what three My years, degree. right? Yeah, uh, two, about years. two years. Two years. Two years at, at Hampton. The real HU, right? The real HU. The real That's true. You did your homework. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, and then you jumped out of there. You started doing some coaching. Um, you ended up actually as an assistant in operations, I want to say, mm-hmm. with the Charlotte Bobcats. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor guy jumps into the NBA on, a, <laughs> on the operations tip. I was paying my dues. I was yeah. paying my dues. All right, the well, way some there. people don't even have that opportunity. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunate. <laughs> um, you've also been on the coaching staffs at Temple, uh, the University of Connecticut, for a couple couple years. And now you find yourself at the University of Marquette mm-hmm. with uh, head coach Steve Wojciechowski. See, you work on that. Once I, you get it down, it's easy. I want to do. I want to say Wojnowski like the announcer, right. like the broadcaster. No, no, no. It's just slightly different. different. Guy. His cousin. Yeah. Once you say Wojo, you're in. Yo, did I ask? I thought they were related for a while. <laughs> for a while, I did. But yo, thank you for for taking the time, man. I know we your schedule's crazy, yeah. and whenever you come to New York, I know it's business. So yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. So look, what we do on Dribble and Dimes, I know you've seen some stuff, but you probably haven't really sat down and listened to an episode. So what we try to do is destroy the guest, right? Like, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm on the hot seat. <laughs> nah, I want to kind of really just get a sense of like your journey, right? Um, Connecticut kind of being the connection point to what we're doing as uh-huh. far as tri-state ball, but I want to go further back. Like you, you grew up in Amherst, uh-huh. Massachusetts. Uh-huh. And for those that don't know, um, it's a five-college town. The university, you, UMass in particular, tends to take up the bulk of the area as far as like things to do and that yeah. kind of thing. Now it's got a life of its own outside of that, but it's it's really college, it's college town. town. Yeah. yeah. So how? When was it that you decided, you know what, basketball's my thing? Yeah, when I was at UMass as a walk-on, I, mean, I, I fell in love with the game. I, I always loved trying to help make people better. That's what kind of led my passion as a walk-on. You know, it was trying to challenge guys, trying to get them in the gym, 
trying to take sometimes the coaching messages that our head coaches were given and remind our guys. You know, Bruiser Flint was. Oh, yeah, he's around here too. Yeah, he's here. You know, Bruiser's like an uncle to me. You know, he's part of my family in reality. Um, He's the reason why I became a walk on. A lot of reasons he's the reason why I became a coach. I just love what the impact he had on me and other people. I admired that. So that's why I got into the business. Did you know him? before you walked on? Yeah, so Bruiser was an assistant coach, so we used to have a program called Mini Minutemen. We used to dribble and do drills two times during the week, and we do it during halftime of games. Okay. He did that when I was like six or seven years old. He was the director of it. So I always was around him, running his office, bothering him, and as I got older, he kind of became a mentor to me. So you're so. not just saying it, like he truly is almost oh, like no, a- no, no, he's at my wedding, you know, I, I talked to him about, you know, proposing to my wife, career moves, I call him, he's my guy, that's my wow. guy. Oh my god that's awesome yeah it's awesome so you you did you ever because of him i'm sure he's a big influence like you said as far as the business of coaching what was that always something in the back of your mind or did it just kind of evolved into that i was always in the back of my mind i think it came out more once i got more exposed to it you know early in my career as you mentioned i started with the charlotte bobcats that was like an internship opportunity that led to a full-time job just kind of grunt work and then when I got there, you know, there's a bunch of individuals, Carl Hicks, Ed Tapscott, uh, Kenny Williamson, who's a New York guy, he's a New York legend, um, who was our director of scouting at the time. They all knew Fran Dunphy, who became the head coach at Temple, and they all suggested I take this opportunity to work for him. So that led me into the college part of it. And what I loved about college that was different from the NBA is you have a bigger chance to impact people. Um, because the kids in reality, when you get them, they walk out men. And I loved the chance to teach, compete, be on the court, be in the locker room, but also to mold young men, I, I thought was huge. Because I grew up very fortunate. You know, my mom and dad were together. You know, they worked really hard, you know, middle, working class family. But a lot of guys don't have those ex- experiences, so I could give kind of what I learned, my life and my experience, what I've been exposed to, give that to these young men and hopefully impact them enough so that way they're more productive, not only as players, but as people. Uh, I have a small bone to pick with you. Uh, you That's got? beautiful, by the way. Uh, I don't mean to glance. Gla- I worked on it all this morning. I wrote yeah. it out. <laughs> so you went to UMass, and then you left. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a traitor. You're kind of a traitor. <laughs> you grew up in the area. Yeah. Well, you should have been a UMass guy all the way. Well, yeah. You know, I think in the end of the day, like, I know more about that school than most people. Absolutely. My dad worked there for 42 years. Wow. I grew up on the campus. Was he a professor? He taught a class. He was also the assistant controller at Grants and Contracts. Damn. I mean, I went to daycare, grassroots on the campus. I grew up there. I mean, I went to my first party at UMass when I was 16. <laughs> but, you know, growing up in a small college town, that's all you're exposed to. Sure. I, I needed something else to kind of make me more well-rounded. And I think the reason why we're sitting here today is because my experience is being at both places, both Hampton, a small private school, mm-hmm. UMass, uh, a big state school that gave me the opportunity in reality to walk into New York and hold conversations but at the same time going in suburbs and prep schools and have conversations be comfortable doing it so I think that's been huge for me and then at the same time I'll always cheer on and, and have a great appreciation for UMass because that's home yeah both the school and the town and that's the where town, yeah right. that's that's where home is so uh, I know you went to school with a gentleman named Calvin that's out here also covered the event all, all things hoops I think uh-huh. is what he, what he he's writes. a Hampton guy yeah, so, all so comes full circle. Right, so it's funny because right before we got together here, I was like, yo, yeah, you know, I went to school with Dwayne. I told him that. And he looked at me like, we didn't go to school together. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. See, what happened was yeah, see, he was I'm, a traitor. I'm connected. I'm bridging the gap. I'm bridging the gap. I'm bridging the gap. <laughs> no, but what you just said makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, obviously, I'm busting the chops. But um, but it's, it's really fast. It's interesting that you even 
thought like that, yeah. right? Because the easy way to go was just, yo, let me just do the UMass thing. It's what I know. Right. And you probably could have stayed on the team right. for the duration of your stay there. How was it when you when you were playing at UMass? That, so Bruiser was the head coach, uh-huh. right? So you're playing for your quote-unquote uncle, yeah. right? How was that in comparison to when you kind of spread your wings further and went away to something brand new at Hampton? You know, being being in Amherst, I mean, it's home, so you know it. Like, you know why they win, right? I watched that program build all the way from the bottom all the way up. So, you know, having an appreciation for tradition, for culture, um, understanding what winning is like and what it takes to get done. And then when you go into the Hampton environment, you see it from a whole different perspective. You see it from a different lens. So why do they win? Why are they successful? So you start to understand the difference of resources, people, talent. You know, there's a different kind of talent when you go to the Mid-Atlantic region, whereas UMass, in, in the height of UMass, yeah, when Bruiser was there, you're really talking about New England guys and New York guys and D.C., Maryland guys that made that program. You know, Hampton's a place that... You know, you get guys from those areas, but it's more of a Virginia, D.C., and then kind of a few kids trickled in. Kind of hyper-local. Yeah, so, so you know, you, you just see the world a little bit different. It makes you think different. Um, it makes you appreciate people and circumstances in different ways. So those are both experiences I always value. And for, from a high school perspective, how was how was your development there? Like, did you play high school ball? I did. I, I you know, instead, I wanted to go to prep school when I was younger because that was like the thing to do. Yeah. But you know, my parents kept me in public schools. It was the most affordable thing for me. Um, I went to the local high school. It was awesome. You know, Amherst is a different place because of the, the universities there, the five college system. You have people from all walks of life. Yeah. So you know, I understood what it was like to be in a classroom with a family of a child that's from Ethiopia and, and understand what his culture is like. Um, being around a kid that's Vietnamese and understand what his culture is like. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. It's a melting pot in the world in reality in that town. Like you first see it, you don't necessarily understand it and appreciate it. For me, it was awesome. So again, you know, in my job and what I do for a living, you have to adapt to environments really, really fast. Well, I got that at an early age. So that's really helped me throughout my career. You have a couple children. Mm-hmm, two. You're married. How difficult is it to balance family and work? Because you're, again, you're, you're in a non-traditional type of yeah. game, right? Yeah. And it's, relatively speaking, year-round. Yeah. Between the actual season, recruiting, yeah. all that. How does, your, your, your unit has to be really strong. Yeah. How do you go about handling that? Um, you know, luckily my wife's from Washington Heights, New York, so she's very independent. She's Dominican? She's Dominican girl, yeah. Your wife is Dominican? Dominicano. I don't know how he is. See, nah, I ain't got none of that. But you need yeah. some. <laughs> but yeah, my wife's the man. So, oh, yeah, call her. I didn't talk to her. <laughs> I'll get her on the because I want to hear about her Milwaukee experience yeah. right now. She loves it. She loves. I it. bet there's but a lot of cheese out there. I love a lot cheese. Of cheese. Yeah, love a cheese. lot of cheese. She knows how to cook. You know, she makes it all work. Oh, so y'all must have beautiful babies, man. Oh yeah, we I got, haven't seen them, but I, I think I, so. I I'm biased, imagine. but I think you, so. You better fucking be. They biased. got her. They got her side of the jeans, so we're good. Nah, you're both, I'm sure you're both right there. <laughs> but, um, Get out, okay. You know, for, for my family, you know, one, you need somebody that's really independent, you know, because a lot of days I'm not around, you know, so she's got to be able to do a lot of things on her own, and I've been blessed to have her in my life. Um, but, you know, my kids, luckily at Marquette, you know, Coach Wojciechowski's built a, an amazing family culture. So, you know, our kids are at games, they're at events. When we do recruiting stuff, our families are around. So it's awesome. So it's like everybody's really ingrained into what we do so it's a great experience for my family and for my children um and then the other part of it you know we celebrate the times you got to celebrate you know now for us it might be seven o'clock instead of other families to do it at 5 30 but we still do it right um and you know i try to help my kids be a part of the experience um whether it's 
a game, a road game, or, you know, sometimes when we have recruits in town, they get a chance to get around them, and they get excited about it because, you know, basketball has afforded us a great life. Mm -hmm. So I want them to understand what that is and appreciate it because it's opened up a lot of doors for them and for me, obviously. So I want my kids and and my family to appreciate all those things. That's beautiful. Um, I I don't have as hectic a life as you, but, for instance, it's Sunday. Today I should not be anywhere but home. Everybody's life is hectic in its own way. Sure, but now. Uh, We're I'm in the same a, spot today. Okay, right, right. You know what I mean? And, I'm, and I've been here early. Yeah. I've been here since early. You were so here before you. me. Yeah, but still, like, that's what I'm saying. And, and I'm fortunate enough in the same way. I have a Latina woman also. She's Cuban. And she she holds us everything down. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, and you probably go through this, you kind of feel a little bit of guilt. Yeah. Because you know the the brunt of what they have to deal with, right? And so I'm, I'm always very cognizant of that. But also at the same time, she's so supportive of me following my my dreams right. that it, it's like it's something I don't necessarily really totally understand because I'm here having fun technically, right? right. And she's over there parenting right. full time. So right. so you gotta celebrate the moments, right? You know that's I think that's really important um, because. For all of us, right, we're, we're chasing our dreams really hard. Yeah. You know, whether it's what you're doing, what I'm doing, even somebody that's in the investment banking world, it's sure. hard to have success. But you also got to appreciate the people that are supporting you along the way. So you got to appreciate moments. Sometimes you got to hit pause. Sometimes you got to take 10 minutes to call somebody back or respond to a text message because you got to be present. You yeah. know? I think that's a big thing. 100%. You're here on a recruiting trip, right? I like to, under, I mean, people understand what that is generally, right? How do you personally approach recruiting and what brought you here in particular to spend time actually looking at the talent that's here? Yeah, you know, Coach Munch has done an amazing job developing his program and he's built, you know, probably one of the best events in December on, in the East Coast. And when I say that, it's the talent, you know, it's the way the events run. Um, it's the quality of competition teams that are coming here. And I think a lot of people gravitate towards the events because they know what you're going to get. You know, when you recruit guys that are associated with this program or these high school programs that are here, I mean, they're going to be ultra competitive. They're going to be talented. They understand what it takes to win. They are winners. Um, so you don't have to necessarily ingrain that in the kids. Um, what you're trying to do is help them understand how to win in your program the way you guys do it. Um, so they're, I, they're more adaptable. Like yeah. you skip a lot of the stuff that. Well, they're they're well taught. They have a great foundation, right? right? right. They have great fundamentals. You know, what, and that might be physical. That might be mental. Those are all things I think that these kids get that are in the programs that are in this event here. So that's why I'm here now. There are a few kids, obviously, we've identified and that we're recruiting. Sure. Um, you know, NCAA rules don't allow us to talk about those things, but that's why you're here to evaluate. And you're not necessarily just watching them play. You know, I'm paying attention. How do they walk around here? You know, how do they interact with their coaches? You know, are they guys that need a lot of attention? Do they not? You know, if they have a great day, how do they handle that? If they have a bad day, how do they handle that? Because that stuff is all going to carry over to wherever they go to college. Hopefully it's to play for our program at Marquette. But wherever they go, it's going to be magnified, right? There's more people on top of them. There's more energy on top of them. There's a lot more pressure on top of them. So how are they going to deal with that? Because they can't deal with it here, mm-hmm. or they don't handle it well here. They might not be able to deal with it, you know, in a different way. And also, these things are great because, you know, it's like a, 
hub of information. You know what I mean? You're around so many people. It's high school coaches, AAU coaches, it's college coaches. You know, there's people that are associated with the game. When you walk in here, you're you're probably walk out a smarter guy. Whether it's about your recruiting, your coaching, this environment, the Northeast, you're gonna learn five things as soon as you walk in the building. And that's why people are here. There's great energy when you come in here. It's hundred percent true. I haven't been to too many showcases like this. Um, actually in general, but like this, I was just telling Munch, I was like, bro, this is this it's is high level. It's really I'm, well put together. Yeah. I mean, when you look on the baseline, I mean, the stands are full. You got families, you got friends, you got basketball enthusiasts. You got probably 20 NBA teams here. Yep. You got, you know, programs from all across the country. Every conference is probably represented. That says a lot about not only the players, quality players, but there's a lot of coaches that say have made time and made sacrifices, like you said, to get away from their families, yeah. their programs, to be here. Because they know making that investment, this is how you start your recruiting with the guys. That are here. When you look at the talent out there, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this kind of in the New York City basketball context: when you were growing up, when you thought New York basketball, what what came to mind? Uh, toughness. You know, I, I think you know basketball is a staple in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have guys that are reality kind of going through the mud to have success you know they know what it's like to compete because they go out in the parks they play all day to kind of claim who they are you know and then they carry that mentality that brand of who they become they carry that to their high schools and through their AAU programs and you know there's a lot of street cred you got to earn you know in New York City you can't just go out there you don't just go out there and say I play basketball yeah. you got to earn that right and there's a Trust level me, I've done that, though. <laughs> I just never got off the block. <laughs> but I've done it in other cities. But there's a level of respect that all these kids have to get. So, you know, when you go through games, you walk away games sometimes saying, we got to have a little bit more, we got to be a little tougher. we got to have a little more swagger. And New York kids bring that with them. You know, going back to my UMass days when I was growing up, you know, I can remember Charlton Clark on the team, Dana Dingle on the team. Those guys were staples at UMass basketball when I was a ball boy and just cheering for their teams. It's great that you picked those two guys because they're also St. Raymond guys. Yeah. And so am I. So that's Well, I know what St. Raymond represents because when I got to Temple, we recruited a kid, Daniel Dingle, and he was a great piece to our program in his four years in his career. So for us, you know, we, we've recruited a couple guys in my short time at Marquette where we said, like, these guys would be great for us. Um, now we have to do the work to that way they can understand what their role is going to be. Because in college basketball, you're not selecting, you're recruiting. The kid decides where he goes. Right. But we have to display our program, and they make a decision, and we live with it. Right. Um, same difference when I was at UConn. I mean, there was a bunch of kids in the New York metropolitan area that were super talented that we wanted to carry the tradition of winning at UConn. I think it's the same thing here. You know, we recruit nationally at Marquette, but New York somewhere we're always going to stop and try to have a presence in. What do you consider, so New York back then had a certain vibe to it, a mm-hmm. certain reputation. How does New York basketball look to you now in this day and age? Uh, I think basketball. Comparatively yeah, speaking. I think basketball's changed so much. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a skill set that goes across the board now. You know, at one, when I first got in the business, you know, five men were five men. They just posted up on the block. Now you got guys running around shooting threes, putting it on the deck. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think New York basketball, you got tons of talent. There's uh, an ability to attack the game mentally and physically. It's just different from other places. But there's a great sense of pride. And I think that is innate in New York City kids. They carry that with them. So they're going to have that sense of pride of representing New York on your campus for your program. 
but then they fall in love with where they're at and then they want to represent that program um, but in the end of the day I think what drives them is just a sense of pride you know they represent so much it's their families it's their communities it could be their buildings it could be their AAU programs their high school programs but they want to be you know the next guy out of their borough or their neighbor whatever it may be whatever they represent they represent that and they carry that on their heart a lot of reasons that's why they come up with a loose ball that's why they get the rebound that's why they get the bucket when it counts you know, because they're representing something greater than yeah, themselves. You know, I, I think when you think back, some great moments of New York Guards and Madison Square Garden, and all these places, when they made that bucket, people went crazy because they represented them, right? You know, a Queens kid when he makes a bucket, he represents Queens, and those guys carry that with them. Yeah. Same thing for Harlem kids. You know, when a Harlem kid has success, he's having it for everybody in Harlem, and that's huge. That's huge for not only that kid but for a program as well. How do you look at the landscape when you've got? prep schools, AAU programs, traditional high schools, does that add complexity to how you do your job or does it simplify things? Uh, I, I don't think either. I think it's just an understanding of there's different situations for every single kid. You know, some kids are going to excel in their high school environment, some don't. Some kids need to leave their high school environment to go to prep school to develop. Maybe they need a different academic setting to be successful. I think all those things, you just have to understand the kid. So my job and our job is to really understand them as people, as players, as students. So now, if you do all those things, you open up the communication lines, you're going to know if a kid might go from a high school to a prep school. It's not going to be a surprise. You, you knew those yeah. things. Um, sometimes you're involved in the decision, not so much in a, he's going to go here, but people are going to ask you advice. What do you think if this kid went to a prep school? Would that help him? And at the end of the day, we want all these kids to be successful. So sometimes they have to leave one environment to get to another, to get to where they're ultimately trying to go. So I don't think it hurts. I think there's a ton of great high schools and prep schools. Um, just finding the right situation, just like you're trying to find the right situation for college. Mm -hmm. It's finding a place where you can develop and become the best version of yourself. So you've been at Marquette now for how long? It's my second season. Second season. Was Milwaukee a culture shock for you? I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I had never stepped foot in Milwaukee. When I got there, I mean, it, it was a different kind of energy. The Bucks were good. You, know, you yeah. get into town, there's cranes everywhere because the city's Developing growing like super crazy. fast. Um, there's new businesses coming in. You have Fortune 500 companies there. There's great food, there's great energy, there's great diversity. Well, a lot of people don't know, you know, there's Marquette there, but there's also University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee on the other side of the city. So you have two college, you know, two colleges within a four or five mile radius. So there's great young energy in the mm -hmm. city. Um, it's a great place to raise a family. Uh, in the summertime, amazing. You got, I live close to the lake. You know, we go to the lake in the summer. Awesome. Never thought I had that in yeah. Wisconsin. I just didn't think about it. Um, you can get to Chicago. You can get to a lot of places. But people love Marquette. They love Milwaukee. They love what it represents. So when you get around places like that, right, you meet good people. Once you meet good people, that makes your community, that makes you fall in love with it. Um, but the, the summertime is a lot of fun, though. A lot of fun. You're, uh, obviously, you're competing with who's who schools for, for talent, right? Uh, sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, you know, you guys do the best you can and then kids got to pick ultimately where mm -hmm. they want to go. How, do you feel, especially with um, how, how much, I guess, yeah, how much talent there is, right? Just around the country and uh -huh. around the world because uh -huh. you got to be looking outside of the U.S. At, at some point, right? Do you find, how do you find your diamonds in the rough? Like, this, there's so many places to look. 
so many like is social media yeah. a tool that you utilize yeah. to try to narrow it like how do, how do you what's the process I mean just like what we're doing right now you meet so many great people that your phone's always buzzing about a kid so then you have to do your research um, you know luckily in this business as you, the longer you're in it the more people you know so somebody calls you about a kid you're calling somebody else say, well tell me about this guy you think he's good enough before you jump on a plane you try to validate the player and try to figure out the fit you know is he what we need because we talk about all the time what do we need for our program to take the next step what are we losing what do we need to get so does that kid fit that so that's the first criteria then you start digging into it a little bit more what kind of person is he what kind of student is he how does he fit into market is he a market kid you know is he a guy that you know is going to identify what coach Wojciechowski is trying to do every day <clears throat> I think if you can do those things then you start to dig a little bit deeper and then you start to evaluate them and evaluate the talent the person and then that's when we start cooking with gasoline and we start trying to get them to understand what Marquette is because Marquette's a place I, I, I firmly believe this when you get on campus if you come in you see the Pfizer form you know 17,500 people in that building you see the staff that we have the people that are invested in our program you see how Coach Wojciechowski leads and directs our program and develops our players, how we develop them as men and students. The resources we have are rival to none. We probably have one of the highest budget per player in the country. When you go through all those things and you see the support and the pride that people have for our program, there's no way you say, I, I, you know, I don't want to go to school there. It's a hard place to say no to because it checks every box. You know, it's a unique place and it's a place we're going to make you better. We're going to make you a better student. We're going to make you a better win, a better player, and we can win at the highest level. You know, now our job is to find the right players that are going to help push us to that point. Right. But once you get there, our rate of return is really high because it's, it's a place that rivals few. Pfizer? Pfizer form. That's where the Bucks play. Yeah, so the Bucks player, basically, think about it like this. When the Bucks play, it's green. When we play, it turns to blue and gold, and it's an amazing atmosphere. We have our own dedicated locker room. We have offices in the building. It's our home. It's not like we're we're going in there just kind of tenants, kind of bringing some balls in there and just playing a yeah, game. No, I mean it, it's our building. I mean you know it when you walk in there, and every single team, whether it's non-conference opponents or it's people in our league, they're like, "Wow, this place is insane," you know. So it, it's a hard place to come in there and compete against because. Not only we have a great program, but we have great support around yeah, us. Rabbit, rabbit yeah, rabbit fans. Yeah. I mean, across every sport. Yes. Like, you see the turnout is crazy. Yeah. How, so you mentioned this, and I know evaluating talent, a lot of it has to do, you know, contacts you have and, and doing the diligence. Yeah. How do you account for culture? Because culture makes or breaks companies. I know mm -hmm. it makes or breaks teams. How do you hedge against potential toxicity when it comes to the recruitment process? Well, I mean, the whole point is you got to get to know the kid and the family and the people around them. What's the messages that are around the individual right now in their life, in their high school environment, in their family environment? Um, does it connect with what we're trying to do? You know, those are the things you have to be really good at, I think, and we try to focus in on the staff and a program because we want to get to know that person on a really intimate level because we're taking him from his family and uprooting mm -hmm. him and putting him into ours. So Coach actually says this a lot, and, I, and I, I really believe in it, I think we all do, is that like when we bring a kid into our program, we're bringing him into our family, but we're actually putting him around our individual families and our kids. Yeah, is this someone, even more specifically. Is yeah. this someone I want around my two-year-old son and my five-year-old daughter? So the answer is yes, and it's a no-brainer. If you're kind of slow to answer it, then I think you have the answer. Um, and there are kids that a lot of times we might not recruit because of maybe their character, and Coach's first thing isn't, 
well, how does he make jump shots? How does he make decisions? Like, what kind of kid is he? Then once you start talking about that, then he moves on to the next step because the one thing he's built is an amazing character and culture within the program. And he's not willing to compromise that based off talent because in reality, you know, there's a lot of games you're going to play. You could lose games based off culture. It could be a culture game. Yeah, one program's totally. culture is better than yours. Totally. So we're not willing to compromise that because we believe for our program, if we keep our culture really tight and our mentality really tight, we're going to have the right players. So we're going to be able to win at the highest level. If we compromise it, eventually it's going to come back to bite us. Yeah. No, that that is one of the pillars of longevity, mm -hmm. culture. Uh, have you ever had somebody, you guys, that checked all the boxes you don't have to name them, but I'm just curious. Checked all the boxes, got to campus, started matriculating, getting involved in the team, and it wasn't the right fit. No, you know, not it's not rare. Not on not on my time. Okay. You know, but I think that's what I'm saying. In the recruiting process, there are kids that you start saying that's a guy we're crossing off the list based off you know what we're learning about him, and not saying he can't have success places. Sure. He's not a good fit for us. Right. So. You come to New York pretty often, yes? Mm -hmm. And you, where do you tend to focus? Or is it kind of, the easy answer is going to be everywhere, but that's not what I want from you. Uh, are you, when you look at, because we got a bunch of options here. You got the Catholic High School Leagues. Mm -hmm. You got the Summer Leagues. Mm -hmm. You've got um, the PSAL. Do you find, obviously there's talent in all these places. Is there a hotbed, in your opinion, of those three options? You know, in my time in New York, I, mean, I think you're evaluating all. You're not allowed to get into the summer leagues. You know, you can okay. only go to the, like, the AAU events for okay. us. Um, I think the Catholic League, though, for, for me, for when you talk about guys having success, when they're in the Catholic League and in the Catholic environments, I think it helps them and gravitates to a place like a Jesuit education at Marquette. Mm -hmm. um, so in my time, I spent a lot of time in those places. It's also, you know, who I know. Going back to your point. You know, how do you learn about guys? Well, coaches are hitting you up all the time. Well, those are guys that I built relationships with. So that's why, you know, I naturally would gravitate towards those places because that's kind of what I know and have access to. Yeah. Um, but also I think it, it relates and it transitions for kids to come to a place like Marquette and say, like, this is something I'm comfortable with because the messaging and the environments are kind of similar in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. So then you start looking at the basketball and the coaching and the fit and the opportunity. And now you start saying, okay, this might be somewhere that could work for us and could work for this individual and we put it together. You as, back to your playing days, what, why did you decide not to play overseas or, or pursue a professional playing career? Yeah, I, I think I was honest with myself. You know, I, I thought, um, for me, I was a walk-on. You know, so it wasn't necessarily always about my development as a player. It was my opportunity to be a part of something bigger than myself. Um, it was an opportunity to start to understand this might be something I want to do for a living. So when college ended for me, it wasn't about continuing my playing career because I didn't think that was reality. It was about, well, I want to be involved in the game of basketball. And I've been lucky to be you know, part of an NBA organization, to live in New York City and work at the NBA League office and be at some really good brands of basketball. When you look at Temple, UConn, Boston University, yeah. now Marquette, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate. So You can say that again. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, one of the things, I, I, my rule of thumb is always, there's always every school you go to and you work at, there's been great players, right, that are celebrated. You know, I want all those guys to look at and say, hey, that guy represents me really, really well. Mm -hmm. Like, that guy's working his tail off to make the players better, recruit the right guys, represent the program. I think if you're not doing that, then you're probably cheating the program because yeah. 
that's their program, right? I, I work at Marquette right now, but it's going to always be Jay Crowder's program and Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler and Travis Diener. Um, those guys, you know, when you talk about some great names of basketball, Steve Novak, it's always their program. I represent them now on the road, coaching, recruiting, but it's their program. Yeah. And I take that really serious. That's beautiful. It's true, though. I mean, you kind of... You got to know your place, right? Uh-huh. And but yeah, you got to work your butt off. You you're always on a plane. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. You see so many different things. When when you look at how coaching actually is executed across the NCAA, obviously every every staff has their own style. On on your staff and is your staff not yours, Steve's Steve's uh, staff is your is your entire team's style very different than other programs or would you consider your guys style kind of very similar as far as the different roles from the assistants and all that kind of thing uh i mean it's hard to know what other programs do i, I think mean it, you kind of have yeah, a sense i, though, I think you know um, a lot of guys. i think coach gives us all a lot of freedom okay. which is really good because it allows you to develop so if we're developing that means we're becoming better coaches we're, we're being challenged we're challenging each other um he gives us a lot of freedom to to recruit and to have a voice and all those things so if we're doing those things and we're getting better it means our players are getting better mm-hmm. um he's always pushing to figure out how can we get better in the present and in the future um how can we get better as individuals you know we spend a lot of time in the summer talking about those things and it might just be project work or it might just be looking back at some of the things we did good some of the things we didn't you know what about the drills we're doing do we like them do we not you know, are there different things we can be doing on the floor so really it, it's just not getting too comfortable and I think one of the things that he's a lead at is being competitive. Mm-hmm. So driving that, taking that competitive spirit and putting it in the different parts, the recruiting, the development, the coaching, um, the player development, the coaching development. I think all those things are really important. I think that's what the separator is. I think that's been the separator for him in his you know, adult life and his college playing career. So if you put that into our program, that's only going to make us all better. Do you got? Do you personally have a particular role on the staff? Like, is there like this is kind of your yeah. world? So, um, you know, Stan Johnson, our associate head coach, he works with our our, our post players. Um, myself and Jake Prezudi, our other assistant, we work with our perimeter players. We all have scouts that we break up, where you're basically doing a deep dive into a program. You know, how do they win, and what do we have to do to beat them? Basically, is the idea. We all have different responsibilities there. But I think the best thing he does is, you know, we have open communication. We have meetings every day where we talk about, okay, where are we at? Recruiting our present players, the next game. What do we need to do well? The guy has a scout, you talk about it, but everybody has a floor to throw in a thought. Should we do this? Should we try that? You know, oh, what about this idea? And I think that's what you want. You want everybody working together and communicating together because communication, it's one of the things that every team talks about, right? My team doesn't communicate. Yeah. Well. What I probably circle back to is if your team's not communicating great, your coaching staff probably is. What does that say about the So a lot of things, a lot of the deficiencies with teams are a reflection of, you know, what's going on in, in the leadership like we talked about. I think, you know, one of the things we're really good at is we communicate, we're competitive, um, we're driven, we play together because we're the same way in the office. Um, I don't have a lot more to ask you, my friend, which is kind of sad. Look at that. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Man. I got one more, actually. What do you got? got one more. <laughs> uh, so, like, like you know, back to talent again, right? Uh, you got you, you deal with so many individuals, right? 
and from different walks of life, different uh-huh. places around the world. They're, they're with you for a finite amount of time. How much investment do does Marquette, right? You mentioned all the resources and, and the budget per player. Yeah. How much do you guys invest in what happens when the cliche, the ball stops bouncing, yeah. right? Because four years, in some cases, maybe less, very small window. Uh-huh. How do you prepare these guys for, even if they go into the highest yeah. of levels, the ball stopping somewhere? How do you, what do you instill in them in order to try to help them through that? Well, I think it's an everyday message. It's about developing them as men. You know, the investment is made in is two, three, four years on campus. Um, right now, we're doing everything from community service projects to, you know, we had Eric Thomas come in and talk to our guys. You know, what does that mean? What do they represent? Not just let them talk for an hour and a half and then he walks out the door and forget. It's revisiting the messages. And he talked about sacrifice. What does that mean? Um, we have culture meetings every week. Get these guys to understand, you know, what are the life skills that they need to be successful. Um, that's part of the investment. You know, we talk about investing in the kid as an individual. Um, we've done financial literacy stuff with our guys, you know, helping them understand the money. You know, I think basketball, college basketball is in a place right now when you talk about, you know, Pell Grant, cost of attendance money. That That's a lot of money for a young kid. And if he uses it wisely, it could be there for him when he's done instead yeah. of blowing it on clothes and, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so those are some of the things that we focus on, you know, for us. I think if you build those things into them now, then they pull that investment out when basketball stops because they understand, you know, we give every one of our guys a suit. Well, to learn how to wear a suit, put a suit on at 18, it's going to be pretty powerful at 27 yeah. versus putting it on for the first time at 27 and try to shake a stranger's hand. That's you're pretty point. uncomfortable. But I think the biggest thing, that, the biggest investment that you ask that Marquette's done they're always going to be there for every player that plays that becomes a part of our program. So if you need us at 22, great. If you need us at 32, Marquette's always going to be there for one of their own. Um, I think that's the fundamental, most important thing, though, that the institution, regardless of who that coach is or the AD or the president, the school is always going to be there for us. And we also try to tell our guys they're exposed to really high-level donors who have done some really successful things so when we go on trips you know ask questions start to figure out well how did they get to this point right they started somewhere else how did they get to where they're at and then as they're exposed to them you never know I mean there might be a guy that says hey I really like you know whoever this guy Marcus Howard I really like Marcus Marcus finishes playing and they keep keep in contact when that's done he may try to help Marcus have a career basketball is a short part of their life you know Marcus Howard, I hope he plays 15 years. So if he plays 15 years, that will probably take him to he's 20 now, take him to 35 years old. At 35, you got, you got a lot, a lot of, of time. A lot of life. And I hope he makes all the money in the world. He's still got to figure out something to do with his life. So there's all these people that he can fall back on at Marquette in that community that want to help him. Um, I think that's what we have. That's our duty to educate them about not only what that looks like, right? What that help could be, what those people are, what are the questions you need to ask, how do you carry yourself? Um, we had a kid, Sakara Men, this past summer. He came and said, hey, I'm not super comfortable talking to donors. They're a little older, you know, they've had a lot of success. I don't really know what to say. We got him with a professor in the summer and we role played. He's awesome. He's a, he's a fifth year senior in college. Those conversations having right now may mean the world to him later on in life. That's important. So just having the awareness, I think, to, to help our guys, you know, to help them. Because I think if we help them become better men, well, they're going to become better basketball players because of that too. For sure. Last thing for you. Um, for those that are listening, and if you ever find yourself in the New England area, 
Look up. My Rube. parents are listening for sure right now. Okay. So to, right, we, to, got, we got two good people listening right now. To the Killings family. <laughs> <laughs> Ruology Beverage Company. One of the best. One, one of the, the best. best. One of the most creative there is in the world. Have you sampled adult beverages? Have you sampled any of his beverages? In my time? Yes, I have. Okay. So this we're talking about. I was about there at the infancy though. Okay. I was there at the experimentation phase. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so you might have I got some good stories. <laughs> Not for right now. This is all very corporate right now. <laughs> no, so I just wanted to bring up because we have a mutual friend, his name is Chris Rue. Actually this is the person who connected us mm-hmm. and he has a beverage company, amazing cocktails. Um, I, I yeah, I just wanted to get your take. Like beverages are good? Absolutely. I think you know, the thing that I love about what you're doing right now, you talk about Chris, talk about what you're doing, what I'm doing, people follow their passion. He's got a great passion for it. He's got a great mind for it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I never thought of that as a thing. Yeah, no right. He has, and he's taking it to a whole nother level. That's a skill in itself. But, like, I'm, what I'm saying is, sometimes you got to take a chance on yourself. you got to find the fit, figure out how you're going to be successful. When you find something you love, it's go easy. For it. It's yeah. easy to go for it, and yeah. he is, and he's doing a great job. And you know, I hope one day we can all invest in him and put him in a nice spot. I'm with it. We got to figure it out. I'm, I'm that's our it. that's our job. We got to figure it out. That's we got to get it. some more viewers. We keep building. Get some more recruits. <laughs> we can get virology rolling. Yeah, that's our sure. goal. That's our goal. Yo, Dwayne, man. man, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.